0: Welcome to SciTech Culture with Steve Kern and Ben Warner where we examine science, technology and culture in the 21st century. Visit our website at SciTechCulture.com Having had a look at some of the subscription offerings as we've discussed in the past, Steve, because, you know, with what are we watching all that? Um, obviously, Disney Plus is in my um, uh, rotation and um, uh, there's a story that came up this week, um, uh, Disney earning call and... Um, you know, what they're planning on doing over the next two years, etc. So I had a quick look. Not particularly interested in going through a dissertation of the earnings call because, you know, we're not financial analysts or anything. But um, I wanted to have a quick chat about um, Disney because... um, I was actually... Um, the, the the breadth of their catalogue on Disney Plus is really impressive. So it, it's kind of, um, I guess, if you want to call it, a, you can see why maybe the subscription fee is justified kind of thing. And they do come out with new things. But obviously, their um, trajectory of recent years hasn't been the best. And it's largely... Financially, I'm not entirely... you know I'm not going to go into the financial part of it. But creatively... They've been having a bit of wobbles um, in relation to, you know, with the relationship with their audience um, as um, as it's um, spoken through their major franchises. And I find, find that quite extraordinary because if you, you know, go back to probably the mid 2000s when I think Bob Iger was there at the time and he initiated that whole drive to start um, scooping up and purchasing big chunks of popular culture. So, you know, picking up Pixar from. Um, uh steve jobs i think it was um and then um obviously a few a few years later Mar- marvel was a big one um that he picked up and then of course the uh, the uber pop culture franchise of star wars off of um off of lucas and prior to um the pandemic um that's usually that's probably a good uh, barometer of where where the demarcation line is that that 15 year period there i thought um they were going gangbusters with um all those franchises financially i think creatively they were doing really well with pixar and marvel not so much with star wars but we'll get into that um shortly anyway even though they made truckloads of money out of the films that they did release um but then you got into the pandemic and obviously people couldn't go to the cinemas um, and then they had to go, well, what are we going to do with this? And then that, that coincided with a new CEO coming in because Bob Iger retired. And then the, there was a strategy shift towards, um, well, we're going to just promote Disney Plus now as being the place to go for all these things, which obviously made sense in a pandemic year where no one could go to a cinema. <laughs> um, but... What ended up coming out over the subsequent years after that, at least from what I found, is that um, the fr- these franchises started to, um, the way they were handled, started to um, tarnish the reputation a bit with the audience because it wasn't the quality of them w- arguably went down. Um, there was a, an encouragement to watch them on subscription rather than going to the cinema, which became a problem later when cinemas reopened. And then um, they were wondering, well, why aren't these movies making as much money anymore? Oh, well, we can just hang out for them to show up on Disney Plus now. And then there's just... Um, like a directionless sort of um, kind of feel to a lot of it. Now, Bob Iger's has since come in because um, I believe they uh, didn't like what that uh, interim CEO was. Well, he was full CEO, but the CEO in the interim period didn't, uh, didn't do a particularly good job from what they were saying. And so now he's kind of taking this approach of we're going to slow everything down. We're going to focus on just making them the, all of the products as good as we can and i guess you know you know obviously the going back to established franchises so there's um you know a new toy story film coming out a new frozen film a sequel to zootopia which was very popular um the the next star wars film is going to be based off the mandalorian which was one of their few successful star wars shows that creatively speaking um so it's kind of like you know um trying to Button it down and like uh, trying to refocus the company in a way to produce what they what they were doing before, because um, by by comparison, Pixar films were always amazing creatively. I think. Um, Marvel films they had an excellent run up until Avengers Endgame in 2019 and then they the the next phase of their films kind of we, we didn't really know what they were doing plus they introduced like oh you also now have to watch a whole bunch of TV shows on the subscription service to keep up with everything and I think it was like oh why do I have to do all of this now it's becoming homework you know when it comes to you know being a member of the audience and Star Wars well you know I think I've spoken about Star Wars before they did it financially they you know the three three or four films I think or maybe five films I think it was before the pandemic really really strong numbers except for one I think and they did well creatively you know um i personally think they ran it into the ground with those films and aside from the mandalorian and uh Andor, which was um that's a great star wars show um they really didn't do well with the the star wars shows and they've kind of encouraged that the star wars shows as now are now tv rather than a cinematic event which again undercuts when they want to go out and do a film why are people going to go out for it so anyway I've, it's a long-winded way of saying that um you've got all of these amazing franchises and to run them this way is um kind of a creative travesty um in a way because um it's not like you're having to come up with something new you've got these really strong established brands that you can make good content out of and you know uh, and i'll come back to star wars you know you've got an unlimited universe of potential and yet nothing has been coming out that's been that great. So I don't know what you think about all of that, Steve.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think you've uh, pretty much nailed it. I think, you know, what we've seen is Disney, which has its roots in content and particularly also in in obviously Disneyland, uh, creating experiences and content for, you know, generations uh, around the world. And probably what we've seen in the last 20 years is really an acquisition Shift and, and through that acquisition, I guess they've, to some extent, maybe lost focus on the content to become a distribution uh, sort of company. And I think we really saw that. I think, uh, when was it, just pre-COVID when they realised the dominance of Netflix and they started to recall their titles and, uh, you know, went out with Disney+. Plus. So, you know, we now have a, a company that basically creates a wide, uh, I guess, uh, schedule of, of content, uh, but the emphasis has shifted towards distribution and the distribution model as opposed to the content creation model. And I think that's where we see ourselves today. I mean, to be honest, I looked at those seven things and I just, you know, nothing makes me groan more than seeing to- Toy Story 5. I mean... I guess by now they could just remake Toy Story 1 and it would be fine. <laughs> so, like, you know, it, th- there was nothing there that really stood out for me and I was a bit surprised they had Taylor Swift at number six. Maybe they think she's doing all right by herself. They don't need to put her at number one. So it, it's all it's all uh, an interesting time. I think Bob Iger seems to be trying to push back towards that uh, content creation platform uh and we'll see how successful he is but uh yeah uh, content creation ain't what it used to be
0: Mm. and just one final thing on it and i haven't watched the film i probably should check it out just to see how much of a train wreck it is but um they released an, an animated film called wish um at the end of last year and by all accounts it was meant to celebrate the 100th anniversary of disney animation and apparently it's the worst film they've ever made um and it. I, I wonder if some of that is like that was like the final icing on that turd, so to speak, to like say, maybe we need to change our focus here.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can come back. I think once you lose that uh, creative shift, it can be very difficult.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, talk about something different. The James Webb Space Telescope. I always uh, like talking about, um, like talking about it. We've spoken about it a few times before, um, and obviously, it's um, harvesting up a whole lot of uh, data out there um, that's happening out in space. And uh, there's a um, an apparent su- surprise twist in black hole and galaxy formation that it may have discovered. So, this was um, it's really around a question um, of um, where black holes form first, where galaxies form first. Were, were, how how, did, how does that all happen and it was kind of suggested there that it might have been actually kind of a you know a combination dance thing that was happening there of both of these things happening at the same time and even the potential that um uh, before um you know rather than like big stars collapsing etc to create them There might have been scenarios where um, big clumps of matter might have actually, on their own, before they formed into stars, actually led to the creation of these black holes as well. And I think more than anything else, like this story just kind of says that, um, you know, you can try and make assumptions about how things might happen um but then you've got to pivot to what you actually end up um uncovering and um you know obviously this is still in its infancy in terms of uh, trying to get as much data in here as possible and i'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of other things that they're going to learn thanks to this telescope um but yeah it's um uh it's exciting to uh you know know more about the universe
1: oh look i i just think uh, if you think about the last 30 years, you think about what the Hubble gave us before James Webb and now what we're getting from that, you know, the images and, and what we're able to pick up is just unbelievable. To think that we're seeing further back in time than ever before, discovering things that, you know, our old models thought must be one way, but now we're seeing it could be another way. I guess the universe continues to surprise us. But it's amazing that we can see these things now, and you know this. This, for me, I think, uh, underpins how how rapidly our, our technology and scientific bases are uh, like just just advancing. It's incredible.
0: And one thing I did want to uh, mention too, only because I saw um, Neil deGrasse Tyson a clip of him saying this the other day. That um, we're living in a good time to be able to see these things, because at some point in the distant future, with um, you know the universe expanding and all these galaxies like uh, disappearing from our field of view, there might be conceivably a point of time in the future where we can't see these things because the visible light from those. Um, uh, galaxies, etc., won't actually be able to make it to us. So it's kind of, uh, and who knows? Um, and and again, in his usual, I'm going to blow your mind way. He said, maybe there's a whole bunch of things that we can't see that were there before, but we'll never know them. Um, so,
1: <laughs> well, that's right, and that's that's what this telescope is giving us a, a chance to look at. I mean, I think it's pretty funny what uh, Neil says because <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting to live for another ten million years anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, wouldn't that wouldn't that be a thing uh.
1: <laughs> but it is amazing to think that uh, our technology has advanced right to this point at this stage, so uh, who knows what we'll be able to achieve in the next decade?
0: Mm, absolutely speaking of achievements um covid19 vaccines we haven't spoken about that for a while um and i just thought this story was interesting the idea of um you know which arm should you get your jab in and i guess it's not specifically focused on covid19 necessarily but um obviously you get more than what we're getting more than one jab of these things and uh is it should you get get them all in the same arm or get them uh, or alternate your arms or whatever and there was a although um it wasn't conclusive to, per se, but the idea that um, maybe if you um, alternate arms, you're activating um, a response in your body that's a bit more comprehensive um, in terms of um, dealing with uh, whatever virus um, that uh, you're dealing with, in this case, COVID 19, meaning that there's more than one area of the body that's like sort of put on alert, um, you know, to look out for the virus, which I thought, you know, I don't see that. Um, not making sense in that way and not, obviously they'll still have to do a lot more work to try and figure out if that's the case for sure but um yeah it's i just thought it was an interesting um you know way to to sort of look at it because obviously when you roll up your sleeve and uh they're asking you which arm to put it in then uh you might as well why not switch it up
1: well i, I totally agree and and you know ask what arm just ask are uh, you left or right handed, and then always give it to you in the opposite one so i must have had you know like 40 vaccines in one arm and maybe about two in the other. So this is a very interesting story. Uh, You know, if there is any basis to this, then uh, I think that that would show something much deeper in our immune system and a way our immunity works um, than than we currently have knowledge of. So it's a bit, bit like the black hole situation in the James Webb Telescope, if from this study we can actually find a reason if this turns out to actually be something that, uh, you know, does make a difference, it it is kind of mind-blowing because it's such a simple thing and yet, uh, you know, who would have thought, you know, and and obviously in our current world we don't want anyone to, uh, you know, suffer pain in an arm that they use. So, you know, for me it's been my left arm (laughs) has been a pincushion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right and might wrap it up there might have to go have a look at the uh, disney plus catalog to see if they've uh, made any improvements or whatnot um i didn't want to sound like too dire in terms of uh, what they've got there but um you know um, i'll be looking forward to seeing if um they can uh i don't know um focus on creating that quality content because i think disney and more than anyone else like has an association with a brand there that you know people love like basically from their childhoods and whatever and uh b- hate for it to uh, go downhill through mismanagement or whatnot i struggle
1: to think of the sadder kids film than toy story 4 so uh, yeah let, let's just hope toy story 5 they remake toy story 1 but with a new kid <laughs> yeah, absolutely
0: <So> <laughs> absolutely Alright, so that's it for this episode. We'll catch you next time.